Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi Rick, how are you doing? Very well, thanks Dan. Good to speak to you. Yeah, very good to speak to you, mate. Um, we met, uh, I think, the first day of doing the PG dip at, at Birmingham. And um, I'm re- I was really fascinated by your whole journey into becoming what I would consider now one of the lead uh, junior development coaches uh, that we definitely have in the country uh, through your work at, uh, at Loretto School. So... Just um, for the listeners, tell us how Rick Valentine got into golf and basically how he ended up where he is today. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dunk. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a good journey. Um, I got into golf very young. Uh, my grandmother was a top golfer back in the days of sort of before and after World War II. She won a, quite a few titles. Um, and so from a very young age, was introduced to the game. Uh, but predominantly that was really just as a family sport played in holidays, uh, uh, enjoyed it, but I was far more into the team sports. And then really it was sort of, as I was getting to the end of university, having played rugby and then studied sports science at university, that the decision came as to sort of what sport did I want to pursue further and, and decided for golf. So I then went to the States and studied golf at the what, what was then the San Diego Golf Academy and studied that for uh, two years and uh, a course in uh, golf management and golf professional. Was that and another then, degree? What was that, sorry? In the States, was that another degree? So you did a degree? Hit- yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a story of my life as, as we go through uh, as far as education is concerned. So, yeah, I, I, I finished a, a, a Bachelor of Science in the UK yeah. and then went out and did uh, what they call an associate's degree in the States. It's very similar to the foundation degree that, that we do here with the PGA to get us started with our PGA training, which, again, I then did as well later. Um and then went into amateur golf, played amateur golf for three years, representing Hong Kong because my parents lived out there. So went and based myself out in Asia, played amateur golf over there and then moved back, uh, turned pro, sort of started playing a bit, uh, Euro pro. But at the same time, got the job here at Loretto. Uh, at that point, it was an idea that the school had had. It was looking for something to differentiate differentiate itself from uh, the other uh, independent schools and uh, due to its history in golf and its location here in East Lothian they thought golf academy and so I came in here on a six-month contract to set up their golf academy and uh, I'm still here 16 years later so (laughs) things have gone quite well. So in 16 Um, years Rick what was Take us through almost like your first week, your first month, or even your first term of um, of setting up this golf academy. Yeah, so when you know it was it was it, it was every coach's dream, really, and the fact that it was a complete blank canvas. You know, the school the school had this idea that that they wanted a golf program, but had no idea how to do it or 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 what to do, and so. 
started off just evaluate. We had a very small group, I think six pupils in our first year. And it was, you know, what do we have to put in place to make sure these six pupils uh, get the coaching they require, get the competition experience they require. And then, you know, where can they represent the school to, to raise the profile of the school? Uh, they already had a link set up at Craigie Law Golf Club, which is a fantastic facility. Um, so that Great. was all done. And they just developed a, a small practice area at the school with a synthetic putting green uh, and some driving net. So in the first instance, it was setting up, uh, uh, you know, when can we fit coaching in, getting some structured coaching in for them, launching uh, an order of merit internal so they can start competing against each other to, to gain experience. And then looking sort of out with that, like with other schools and tournaments as to, to what they can compete in. Uh, that's sort of grown year on year. Uh, we now, 16 years later, have just under 70 full-time golfers in the program and deliver to um, around about 200 pupils a week uh, across both schools. We have a junior school as well, so... We start at five years old and have a team of four PGA professionals. Wow. So um, the six that you started with were what age, Rick? So they were current pupils at the school uh, who had decided that, you know, they fancied giving golf uh, a bit more of a go. They were slightly older. So they were sort of a 16, 17, 18 Mm -hmm. uh, and then moving into our second year uh, when things were, were starting to look like this was going to be successful and, and worth continuing, uh, we then picked up some younger players uh, and sort of grew from there. And, it, you know, it was really a, a sort of a very organic growth as to uh, and initially each term analyzing, you know, what's gone well, what's gone badly, where can we improve? Uh, and growing it term by term and now but even now still a, a termly or probably more yearly now um, again reviewing you know where our strengths are where our weaknesses are what what we need to do to improve and, and you know the whole school's golf landscapes changed significantly in that period of time as well you know we were very much the probably the only people doing it 16 years ago now you know, there's schools all over the all over the country um, uh, doing golf programs in one way or another, and there's far more school competitions for the schools to be entering, the players to be competing. So it's a it's a very uh, exciting time to be in and around schools golf, really. So when was the decision taken to go into the junior school? Uh, quite early, actually. Certainly within that first year. Uh, you know, my sort of vision was always very much uh, to set up a pathway that developed our golfers with that vision of a golfer or a pupil rather, because they're not a golfer at the time. A pupil could pick up a golf club for the first time in a PE lesson as, as we introduce golf through PE as that's our sort of sales pitch. Uh, uh, try golf for a few weeks within the PE. And then if you like it, there's activities you can get involved in and then develop and then it can eventually become part of your games program as well. Uh, so, yeah, pretty early. 
uh, again, with that vision of, you know, pupils picking up a golf club for the first time here at Loretto, moving through our program and ultimately then representing us at first team level, uh, hopefully representing their country and then moving on to, to play golf uh, beyond school as well. So what, um, so what are the other main sports or the major sports at the school? So within a PE lesson, they're not going to obviously just try golf. Uh, they're going to do, are they, is it football, rugby, lacrosse? Yeah, so uh, we are for boys. Uh, it's the main team sports are rugby, hockey and cricket. And for yeah. girls, as we co-ed, is hockey, lacrosse and tennis. Uh, when as they get a bit older, there's you know there's a few other options uh, around football, basketball. Uh, the girls play netball as well. So you know you're very uh, stereotypical standard team sports that the schools deliver, mm -hmm. and you know and those are still compulsory for for our younger players, <clears throat> which is uh, as far as I'm concerned, 100% correct. You know, early di diversification, keep them playing as many different sports as possible. Yeah. Um, and then here at Loretto, we let them specialise around 16 um, uh, for their final sort of three years of school. And that, and a lot of them uh, have got the goal to, to maybe go and play college golf in the States. And with the whole time frame of that, that, you know, those places are, determined you know ne nearly a year in advance that gives us two years um solid work with them um to get them up to speed although a number of them will still choose to combine uh possibly with one other sport as well so how will um how will a 10 year olds uh so a year six um I think that's about a 10-year-old. Yep. Um, how, would, how would a 10-year-old or a year six student's week look with golf? How would that differ to um, a year 13 or whatever it is, um, you know, someone who's 16, 17 years old? How would sure. So, so very much our junior school, it's, it, it's uh, which the 10-year-old would sit. Uh, golf's there as an activity. It's there for them to learn the skills. It's there for them to have fun. It's all about enjoyment and sort of developing those skills alongside. We have uh, so so they can then si obviously sign up for golf as an activity, which is sort of an after-school activity. Uh, we have a progression of of three levels. You know, they all have to start at our bottom level no matter how much golf they've done outside of school so that we can make sure that they've gone through our program. Um, and that could be anything from one hour to four hours a week, depending on A, how much they sign up for and B, what level of the program they're in. Um, but they would then still be playing a full uh, games program uh, within the junior school, which, again, they focus pretty much on the same sports. The boys are exactly the same, rugby, hockey, cricket. The girls are slightly different. They do um, hockey, then netball, then, um, then rounders. So, they, they, so they'll do their team sports during the day, their activities after school, and then we still have sort of our sales pitch through the PE program. So with each class, we get about a four-week window within the year to to sell golf and then they'll do a variety of other things the older pupils 
Um, I think year 13, as you mentioned. So when they get to their final three years of school, they can choose golf as their only sport. And so at that point, they've got uh, five structured sessions a week, uh, which gives them in the winter about eight, nine hours of, of, of coaching and, and sort of squad practice in the summer, probably just pushing 10, 10 11, 12 hours. Uh, and that's they get a Monday driving range session. Then because we're a boarding school, we have Saturday classes. So we get um, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday afternoons. The boys and girls finish um, their academic classes at lunchtime. And then we have all afternoon for sport. So we then uh, go out to the golf clubs at that point and they have three afternoons uh, uh, coach led practice out at the golf courses. We have a Tuesday evening gym session where we have a strength and conditioning coach come in and work specifically with our golfers. And then we have a Thursday optional practice session in our golf center because we've got uh, an in indoor golf center here. So, so the evening work can sort of go all year round. Um, on top of that, they've got access to our outdoor practice facilities, our indoor practice facilities. We've got the Musborough Old Course, which is a the oldest course still played in its current location, walking distance from the school they can use in their free time. And we offer golf every Sunday as well, which they can opt in and opt out. So by that age, uh, there's lots and lots of golf available. And um, they also get their one-to-one -one coaching at the school in the mornings because they will get a certain number of private study periods um, they can be in school in their classes, walk over to our golf center, get the lesson, and then they can be back into classes straight after that. So it just fits in the same as an academic lesson. I mean, it, it, for me, that just sounds like, that just sounds like heaven to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, it is. You know, I've it, decided it, I want to do golf, but I want to make sure I'm getting a good education to me. It sounds just sounds absolutely perfect. I've been fortunate enough to have been up to Craigie Law, so I know what the facilities like there. Um, you mentioned uh, Musselburgh. Where else do you use? And to, uh, tell me a little bit about the indoor facility that you have at the school, because I know you you designed it and um, yeah. wanted into it. I was yeah, a little yeah. disappointed being a former swimmer that you took a swimming pool away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, first of all, our outdoor facilities, um, we started off with Craigie Law. As you, as you say, it's a fantastic facility. Great 18-hole links championship course, modern links, uh, good practice facilities, grass driving range, passing green, and then a six-hole par three course, which is great for the young ones, but also uh, wedge play and, and then developing their short game. As the program got bigger and bigger, it was obviously putting more and more pressure on them. So we then tied in with Archerfield Golf Club, mm -hmm. a little bit further down the coast. They've got, again, fantastic facilities, two championship links courses, another driving range for us, and then a big uh, short game practice area. Uh, we also work with Royal Musselburgh Golf Club. Uh, the main reason for that is Royal Musselburgh is a parkland course, tree-lined. A lot of our tournaments that we play are obviously not always on links, so we wanted that. Um, flexibility to have a certain amount of our events on parkland courses and then this year we've also started working with renaissance club as well 
to just to increase the amount of facilities that we've got available. So again, another fantastic links course and superb practice facilities there. Uh, so that's our outdoor facilities. Indoor wise, we are, um, yeah, as you say, we three years ago, we built an indoor golf academy. Uh, it was once upon a time a swimming pool. It had been derelict for five or six years. So, you know, we weren't stealing it away from the swimmers. <laughs> Um, but ultimately the school had this dead space it didn't really know what to do so it got with it so it got a number of uh, different stakeholders within the school to come in have a look at it and put a proposal as to how they how they could use it I was fortunate enough to win that proposal and then we uh, over the next two years we did a a year of fundraising and then a year of of building and we have now a big indoor short multi-space multi-use uh like a sports hall for golf with a with a big putting green uh and hitting areas so we can have anything from our, our youngest pupils running around hitting the tennis balls chasing balls all over the putting green uh learning learning the game uh, right up to our senior players, they can practice their full swing, hitting across uh, the building into a net the other side, or their short game, chipping on onto the putting green. We also have a bunker and then putting. Out with that, we have a designated putting studio with Sam Putt Lab video analysis for our putting coaching. Uh, we're partnered with Titleist Footjoy. Uh, and U.S. kids for for equipment, so we can do custom fitting for Scotty Camerons in in the um, in the putting studio, uh, Vokey wedges in our main short game area, and then we have a designated full swing studio, much like you would see in in a, in a you know what you, what you'll have down there, and, and a lot of clubs, uh, TrackMan video analysis um, in our in our swing studio as well. I mean, it's just again, it's just. It's just ticking all the boxes to to have all these facilities and the environment um, for the for the for the students to get better at golf. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think the key word you mentioned there is environment. Yeah. Um, and I think one one of the things I work hardest on is that you know obviously golf is an individual sport, but we very much treat it as a team sport here. <laughs> Um, at golf clubs, you know, there can be quite small um, junior memberships. We've obviously got lots and lots of, of juniors here developing their game. And, um, and so it's treated as a team sport. They train in, in squads. You know, they're uh, competing against each other within those, but they're helping each other out. Uh, they obviously then go and compete against each other in our internal events. The main ones are Order of Merit, uh, which is sort of builds up over the course of the year uh, for our Order of Merit champion. But then every time they represent the school, it's as part of a team. Uh, so it is, you know, very much a team experience. And um, with, with so many golfers, there's always someone for them to play with, practice with, you know, chase to try and improve to, you know, to get ahead of. So I think, you know, creating that environment is, is, has been one of the key things for the success of our golfers and, and the program itself. I mean, I can hear that, you know, it's very player centered. So, you know, it's very much about the student, um, what they need, you know, meeting all their wants and needs by having different facilities that they can go 
indoors when the weather's poor. They can go and play links, golf, parkland course. They can pretty much do whatever they whatever they need. You can provide for them, which is great. And what I what I hear coming from you, Rick, and you can expand on this a little bit, is that although you were doing team sports when you were younger, and that's what that environment that you've created within the school. Um, obviously, like you said, golf being an individual sport and you've played it at a very high level as well, is that you've, you've kind of married up the two real key ingredients so that as they get older, they don't feel as though they are completely on their own, that they've got a support group. However, they are independent to be independent and autonomous with their, with their games and their learning to be better at, at the sport that they choose. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I think it's it's trying to take the advantages um, of both those areas. You know, the advantages of a team is, you know, you've got your friends around you, you've got people to support you, you know, whether they be coaches, whether they be um, fellow members of the team. You know, on the days that you don't really fancy it, there's someone there pulling you out to, to go and, and go and practice. Um, but then, you know, obviously with golf, whether you're playing in a team or not, uh, when it comes to competing, you know, it's, you know, it's all dependent on how you perform and then, and then um, uh, developing that grit, that determination, that resilience that, you know, they go out, it's their score, you know, posting that score, uh, whether it, you know, be a great score or, or not such a good score. And then learning from those experiences, you know, uh, Within team sports, you can have a bad day. The team can play well and you can still win. Mm. Um, within, within golf, you know, if you have a bad day, you know, you know it's, it's going to show in your score. Now, the team may still win, but it's far more shows up what the individual's doing. And, and you know, it's, it's, again, creating the, the strengths and the mental strengths around that uh, to allow them to deal with that and, you know, keep working hard and, and developing as they move through. So do you do you interact a lot with the other sports, the other um, the other coaches within the school? Uh, um, so the rugby coaches, the football, netball, hockey. Do you do you kind of sit around a table and discuss best practices or things that you found have really helped? Uh, yes, to a certain extent, and that and that works better now in the fact that actually the sports department uh, have have moved into the golf uh, the golf centre for for their offices, so we're all around each other all the time. Okay, uh, but probably not as much as we we should, um, and you know I think everything comes down to time. Mm. Um, but you know you know those. Um, sort of chats around a cup of tea and whatever, then, yeah, you know, uh, we're always interacting with each other, you know, asking questions, you know, we've got a fantastic team uh, working here, you know, Jason White, uh, former uh, captain of Scotland rugby heads up the, you know, the sports department. So, you know, obviously the experience he's had from competing and, uh, and representing and captaining his country, uh, is huge amounts of experience and knowledge that we can learn from from each other, both from playing and 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 coaching situations. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great environment to be involved in. Fantastic. So, obviously, the the the, the, the students aren't there 365 days a year. There's obviously term times and sure. Holidays. So, 
what happens in the in the holiday times? What 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 does Rick get up to then? Sure. Well, um, in the early days, it was quite good actually because holidays <laughs> were were holidays. You know, uh, teachers. You know, I, I, I can vouch work very very hard during during the term times, but then you know they're rewarded for that with with good holidays. Um, especially since we've opened the golf centre, you know. Um, we fill as much of that holiday as possible. And certainly my team now uh, don't work on term time, uh, term time contracts. So in the holidays, we will have uh, in the winter times, non-residential coaching weeks uh, based in our golf center. Mm -hmm. We also have trips abroad for, for our Loretto players. So uh, last year and this year, we've offered two trips. We do one in February for five days to Spain for, for a warm weather and a, 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 a sort of a European independent schools event over there. And then we go to Florida in end of March, beginning of April for a tournament trip over there. And we, we stay and train at Bishopsgate Golf Academy and then compete on the Hurricane Tour and the IJGT uh, again, offering our older and, and better players that opportunity to compete in a different environment, to build their CV as a, you know, a lot of them are looking to go to the States or a number are. Uh, and also the opportunity to go and see what it's like over there. We visit a university and have a look around. And then uh, again, 16 years ago, I set up the Loretto summer camp. So we have three weeks of residential camps in July based here at Loretto. And then more recently, I set up my own golf camps uh, in the summer. Uh, and that well, was two weeks last year. We're looking at four weeks in 2019 based in St. Andrews. So, yeah, it keeps pretty busy throughout the year nowadays. And that's four, four PGA coaches essentially all the way around the year now yeah so we yeah we're four they're, they're full-time employees of the school so yeah that's their full-time job and then i uh, sort of manage the timetables to make sure that that we're covered throughout all the weeks we i think we 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 still close for um two weeks at christmas uh a week and a half to two weeks at easter and then three weeks in the in the summer so uh we still they still get the uh, three weeks in august off and then uh that time at christmas and easter and then any remainder time you know we then i then uh structure in where where we can afford to be a coach down right i mean that's again it's it's very full-on um the trip to the trip to spain that's the february half term is it ish correct yeah and is that at Desert Springs or it has been? Yeah, Desert Springs. Again, a great facility. Uh, the last few years we've played in a tournament that was set up by Millfield and Desert Springs. Unfortunately, this February coming, for some reason, our half term doesn't match up with the majority of the schools down south. So we're actually just going and, and running our own internal event and training camp. Uh, but normally we'd be competing with a number of other schools over there. And yeah, so it's, it's a great way to sort of start the season, uh, get out of winter training, which they would have been doing for most of November, December, January. And um, 
yeah, Desert Springs is is another great great venue for training as far as course and and practice facilities is concerned. So I want to go on a, on a little different of a segue in a second, Rick. But how for the listeners out there, if they've got uh, questions either for you, whether it be about themselves or for children and or um, potential students or for your golf schools, how do they get in contact with you and how do they get in contact um, with with you for the for the other golf schools? How, how does all that work? Uh, so, yeah, uh, my website is rvgs.golf. Uh, that's got most of the information on that. We're on uh, Twitter. I think it's at Mr. Rick Valentine um, on Instagram, Rick Valentine Golf Schools. Same Facebook, Rick Valentine Golf Schools. So through one of those, uh, they can message me get in contact find out more information and yeah more than happy to sort of pass on advice or whatever i can do and then as far as loretto is concerned you know i think it's loretto.com uh information about the golf academy on there and then um, either through myself or our admissions department um, families can find out about the opportunities here as well now I wanted I wanted to get that point across first because you 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 have a few other strings to your bow that I don't know where you find the time to practice or whether or not you do practice for this. All right, you're quite, uh, you're quite adept with one of the old hickory shafts. All right, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's that's I really enjoy that. Uh, it's something that um, they. I think the world hickory based in Scotland has been going for about 13 years now. And, and I knew the chap that set it up, a guy called Lionel Friedman. And one of the things he was interested in that first year was getting a number of, of juniors playing and, and would the school support. And so I, w I wasn't really sure about it to start off with. And so anyway, I got a group of, uh, of our players to go. Um, and have a go and they absolutely loved it I absolutely loved it as well and it's an event that we've supported ever since you know the boys and girls and and, and most uh, everyone really gets all dressed up for it um, but I think it's a great opportunity for for the juniors to sort of get back to seeing how difficult golf can be uh, it's very penal with the hickory clubs yeah, uh, and you know, you know, they they always love that experience. They're very very quick to get back onto their their modern day clubs, but I think it's a great learning experience for them. For me, again, I, I really enjoy it. I don't I don't play that much hickory golf apart from the tournament annually and maybe the odd day here and there. Uh, but it, yes, I I just think it, it really focuses you in on on your ball striking especially around your short game nowadays i don't think you can you can obviously miss putts you can't really miss hit a putt uh whereas you certainly can with a hickory shafted putter um and yeah it's just it's good fun and i enjoy it and somehow managed to play quite well with them uh without a lot of practice annually so you've had some good results right yeah, I won it a few years ago, and then I uh, was second last year. I was fourth this year. It's an event that's growing and growing. It's been taken over by uh, a couple of guys who've been involved with the event the last few years because, sadly, Lionel died uh, 
couple of years ago now. And they're looking to grow it. And this year was a, a bigger event based uh, uh, Ness and, and Gullen. And they've done a fantastic job. They, they bring or they attract players from all over the world, America, all over Europe, uh, and as far as Australia as well. So, yeah, it's a growing event. It's great fun. And, yeah, something I enjoy playing in and competing. How long's the course and what balls do you use? We use uh, normal balls, so Pro V1. The softer the ball, the um, And uh, play on slightly shorter courses. So Gullen number three is their sort of shortest course. And Luff Ness, we were off around the ladies' tees. So sort of mid to high 5,000-yard courses. Okay, fantastic. So if you had the... If you could have a fantasy four ball, Rick, this is where oh. I was going with this, a fantasy ball, four ball, who would play in it? Where would you play? And you're the only one I've asked this question to is, what equipment would you use? <laughs> um, oh, my goodness me. Well, growing up, my favourite golfer was Nick Faldo. So I probably have to pop him in there. Um, uh, met him once or twice but you know certainly in his day was a fantastic player and a, a lot of inspiration for me as a junior golfer growing up um, I obviously played with her a lot but my grandmother but sort of take her back to the days when when she was a top golfer that would certainly uh, be great uh, I played with her when obviously when she was in her 80s and 70s and uh, you know she taught me a lot about my game uh, and so third player goodness me um, again well why not Tiger Woods again another one that's had such a massive impact on the game uh, and the growth over the last 15 plus years uh what equipment would we play um why not uh bring them down to the to the or give them the new experience of of the hickory clubs and and go out and have some fun with those and where are you gonna play it oh where would we play um obviously lots of fantastic courses around the uk and you know i love playing links golf um and you know, it wouldn't wouldn't be a good course for for the Hickories, but certainly a course I'd love to play one day would be Augusta. So maybe maybe over there, another again a big a tournament that was a big inspiration for me as a player as I was growing up uh, watching that event. So it's going to be you and your grandmother against Faldo and Woods, Randall Augusta using Hickories. Yeah, sounds that sounds like a plan. See, that sounds awesome to me. That's yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And Rick, as your guest of the day, you get to ask question of the day. So something that we hopefully can get some feedback on, uh, get people thinking. So um, what's your question of the day? Yeah, my question would be around, again, focusing on, on junior development. I think, um, you know, there's there's this rush nowadays to specialise. You know, everyone sort of sees and thinks of the likes of Tiger Woods, Sergio Garcia, that that these people, all, all they've ever done is play golf. And so therefore for them or for their sons, daughters to be successful at golf, you know, they need to be specializing at eight, nine, 10, even 11, 12. So, so my question is, what's the rush? Uh, golf's <laughs> generally a late develop, 
development sport. Uh, and there's a lot that the boys and girls can be can be learning from the team sports, both physically and mentally. Um, so, you know, really thinking about, you know, when is the best time to specialize and and let's try not to um, bring that bring that forward too much. I think that's a great question. What is the rush? Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, thanks ever so much for coming on the podcast. You know, I've known you now probably for, or unfortunately, you've known me for five years. I think that's the best way of putting it. Uh, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of fun. I actually thought you'd have your own podcast by now with a name and a voice um, that you have. I always thought it would be Rick Valentine's radio show or Welcome to Rick Valentine's TV show. I must admit. Well, thank you very much. So certainly. Uh, uh, it's been a great pleasure, you know, uh, sort of learning from you as well, Dunk. You know, you've done a huge amounts uh, with your coaching and everything, and it's always great to keep up with what you're up to, where, where you're going, and um, what you're doing within the game as well. So keep it going. Um, it's great following you and listening to what you're up to. That's very kind. Thanks, Rick. Rick, we'll catch up soon. Right. Cheers, Dunk. Speak to you soon. All right, mate. You take care. See Thanks. you now. Bye. Cheers, bye.